young people in, in the Whitfield Bible College, uh, there's a certain lecture by the name of the Reverend Greer. And you may know him, you may not. And every now and then he starts the class by saying, I hear he did it today, he starts the class by saying, brethren, take a page. And then uh, he asks a theological question and you have to write your answer down on the page. That's daunting enough, but whenever he says, swap it with the man beside you and they have to read your answer out, the cold sweat begins to break out in each of the students' foreheads. I'm going to risk something similar this evening, uh, but I won't force anybody. But can anybody tell me, Lord's Day evening, what was the offering we looked at? Yes. Okay, very good. Right. Can anybody give me any of the themes that are connected with the burnt offering? Why would somebody bring a burnt offering to the Lord? You see a few notebooks being opened here. <laughs> Why would anyone bring a burnt offering? Any, any reason that you can give me? Just to recap. Shout it out if you know. Please, I'm dying here. Sorry? Yes, regulation, lots of regulations in all of the offerings. But I'm looking for really a reason why you would bring a burnt offering. What's the purpose? Yes. Absolutely, yes. There's another one beginning with A as well. Sorry? Chapter 1, verse 4, we read about the atonement. And then there's another word there. Acceptance. Excellent. There we have it. Two reasons out of the three why you would bring a burnt offering to the Lord. Atonement. Atonement has to be made for our sins. Acceptance with God. And devotion's another reason behind the burnt offering. Now last evening, what offering were we looking at? Shout it out. Meat. Meat. Excellent. And some reasons why an individual would bring a meat offering unto the Lord. Give me any of those reasons. Any motive? Excellent, yes. Homage, excellent, yes. Yes, one more. We're flying, excellent. We've got them all. That's great, uh, that's encouraging. It would be worse if I was standing here and none of them. I would go home maybe and just leave you to it. But that is encouraging and I appreciate that very much. So night three, Leviticus three, chapter three. And we're coming to the third offering here, and that is the peace offering. So we want to read this chapter 3 of Leviticus this evening uh, before we start. Chapter 3, Leviticus, the opening verse. And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering, and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. He shall offer off the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. The fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. And the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys... It shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. 
And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about upon the altar. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat thereof and the whole rump. It shall he take off hard by the backbone and the fat that covereth the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them which is by the flanks and the call above the liver with the kidneys it shall he take away and the priest shall burn it upon the altar it is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord and if his offering be a goat then he shall offer it before the Lord and he shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about he shall offer thereof his offering, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savour. All the fat is the Lord's. It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that ye eat neither fat nor blood. Amen. We end there at the close of chapter 3. And again this evening we're just going to still our hearts for a moment and ask the Lord for help as we come to his word tonight. Eternal and loving God in heaven, we draw aside before thee in prayer again, we thank thee, O God, for all of thy goodness to us this day. We thank thee for all the help that thou hast given in this service already tonight. We thank thee, O God, for our sister and how she has ministered to us. And we thank thee for that wonderful truth in the scriptures, that as thy day, so shall thy strength be. And O God, we're conscious even of pleading that promise this evening. I'm conscious of pleading that promise as I stand here. O God, thou knowest the strength and the help that I need. And I'm looking to thee, O God, in heaven to provide it. We're looking to thee, O God, to come down and to touch the hearts of these young people. And whether they be saved or unsaved, whatever their spiritual condition and whatever their needs, it's already been said there are so many needs here. We pray, O God, that thou wouldst touch and help and enter into this meeting in a powerful way. And help us to know, O God, that thou art here and speaking to us. And anything that's of me, may it fall to the ground. And may thy word and thy spirit have free course in hearts tonight. Help us, O God. We're looking to thee. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The peace offering. By the very name, peace offering, there is an indication that there has to be hostility or friction between two parties. If peace needs to be made, then clearly there's a problem. There's hostility between two different groups. And we maybe use that term peace offering in everyday life. Maybe there's been a disagreement in the family and, and there's that awkward silence in your home and some party's not talking to another party. 
and a wee cup of tea is made. You bring the cup of tea, a wee peace offering. Everything's back to normal again. We're, we're all friends again. Maybe you men, younger men, you've upset your lady friends. And younger men, that's a lesson we all need to learn. We're guilty of that. We can do it. Uh, maybe a bunch of flowers is bought. A little peace offering. You want to make up. You want forgiveness. You want everything to be back to normal. And we use that term peace offering in our everyday language. But the peace offering actually in the Old Testament in chapter 3 here is very different. And it's maybe not what we would automatically imagine a peace offering to be. And so this evening, again, I'll give you three headings and some thoughts underneath each of these headings. But but it's important this evening, first off, the first heading to notice the basis of the peace offering. It's very important for us to notice that. What is the basis of the peace offering? You see, the peace offering in Leviticus chapter 3 was not made to achieve atonement. The peace offering was not made even to achieve peace. The peace offering was made in response to having already received that peace. And that's important for us to see. The peace offering is presented in thanksgiving unto God for the peace that the individual has already experienced. And that's important. The peace offering, it it highlights communion with God, fellowship with God, as well as fellowship with other believers, people who want to commune with God as well as yourselves. And so what we see in the peace offering is that a justified soul A soul that already has peace with God is giving thanksgiving and praise to God. They have already experienced that peace and they want to engage in fellowship with God and commune with God and thank the Lord for that peace they have already experienced. And that's so important to see in the peace offering. Now, now, it'd be logical for for you to ask me the question, "Well, well, where are you getting that from? Prove that to me. Where do we see that? In these verses that we've read together. Well look at verse 5. Of Leviticus and the chapter 3. Let's read verse 5. And Aaron's son shall burn it. On the altar upon the burnt sacrifice. Which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire. Of a sweet savour unto the Lord. But the important bit for our purposes here. Is that first clause. And Aaron's son shall burn it. On the altar upon the burnt sacrifice. That's an interesting detail and it's an important detail. The peace offering is placed on the altar on top of the burnt sacrifice that has already been made. So first the burnt offering is made and we covered that on Sunday night. The blood is shed to cover our sins. The burnt offering speaks, as we have said, of acceptance with God, atonement for our sins. And then after that, then the peace offering is made which speaks of thanksgiving and reconciliation and the individual is rejoicing in the peace that they now enjoy with God. You see the order here. You see the significance. The burnt offering first, then the peace offering. And in the burnt offering, when when the lamb is slain, the blood is presented, the sin is covered, atonement is made, acceptance with God. And only after that, peace. Only after that, peace so you see the significance and young people when we see the significance here we're immediately reminded that we cannot have peace with God 
until atonement has been made for our sins. We cannot have peace with God until we know we have acceptance with God. We cannot have peace with God till that blood has washed away, has covered our sins. Till we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And of course, Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God. He's the one that takes away our sins. He was crucified for us. And it's only through him that we can have that atonement. That we can have that acceptance. And we can't have peace until we have that atonement and that acceptance. So the order here is so important. The burnt offering, it speaks of acceptance with God. It speaks of atonement for sin. And only on that basis can the peace offering be made. Because we can only have peace with God when atonement has been made. When we have acceptance with God. So that's so important for us to notice. But we apply that to ourselves as individuals here this evening. And there's a challenge. If you're here with us tonight and you're not saved, you cannot have peace You cannot have peace with God until you know atonement has been made for your soul and for your sins and you have acceptance with God. You cannot have peace if you're not washed in Christ's blood. You know, young people, sometimes you will meet uh, with people who will say some very foolish things and they'll try to delude themselves. And maybe you'll get to talk to them about the gospel. You'll ask them the question, are you saved? Have you peace with God? And they'll say some very foolish things. And I remember just last year speaking to a man very close to the end of his life. And that conversation came up and he sort of said, don't you worry about me. I have everything sorted. I have spoken with the big man and everything's going to be okay. There's so many things with that statement is wrong. There's gross irreverence, of course. But this idea that some people seem to have is is that they'll cut a deal with the Lord and everything will be alright for them in eternity and they joke and they laugh it off. No. You cannot have peace with God on any other grounds but Christ's atoning sacrifice. That's the only way to have acceptance with God and that's the only way to have peace with God. The peace offering was offered on the same altar after the burnt offering. And so you cannot have peace with God until atonement has been made for you. Until you're saved. Until you have acceptance with the Lord. And only Jesus Christ, young person, only Jesus Christ can do that for you. Only he can give you acceptance with God. Only his shed blood brings about atonement for our sin. Our eternal salvation depends on Christ. And on Christ alone. There's a verse in Colossians in the chapter 1, the verse 20. It speaks of of having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's the only way of atonement. That's the only way of peace with God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ's cross. Romans 5 verse 1. We probably all know it. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through Christ. Through his sacrifice, that once for all sacrifice, that we have atonement for our sins, that we have acceptance with God, and only on that basis can we have peace with God. And so we challenge you, right at the outset of this study of the peace offering this evening, do you have peace? Because the only way to have peace is through Christ. The basis of the peace offering 
It was offered on the basis of the burnt offering that had already been made. But secondly, we've got to consider the circumstances of the peace offering. And and I guess we're getting into uh, our old pattern now where we start to think about the purpose, the, the, the reasons why one of these offerings would be made. Well, what are the circumstances here in Leviticus chapter 3 whereby an individual would bring a peace offering? What's the significance of this offering? Well, there are differing circumstances in which a peace offering could be made. And if you turn over a few pages to Leviticus and the chapter 7, you will find more detail about the peace offering is included there. And we actually see that really for all the offerings. Each of the offerings are laid out for us in the opening chapters of Leviticus. But in the chapters that follow on immediately, a little more detail is given. And we're given a little more information to help our understanding. And what we see in chapter 7 of Leviticus concerning the peace offering is there are three main reasons, three main circumstances for the peace offering to be made. And the first is there in verse 12. Leviticus 7 verse 12. If he offer it for a thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So that's the first reason. The first circumstance where an individual would bring a peace offering. Now we have seen that theme before. We saw it last night in the meat offering. We see it again this evening in the peace offering. Gratitude. There is a desire to worship the Lord. There is a desire to Give thanks to the Lord. Perhaps the Lord has sent some unexpected blessing. There's been a specific thing that the Lord has done in the individual's life. And they recognise that. And the Lord has been particularly merciful in some circumstance. And so they feel that they want to bring an offering to thank the Lord. And so they bring a peace offering. And young people, there's, there's a challenge even in that. Because so often we can be ungrateful. And the Lord does something for us in specific and we can see that. And for a moment or two we think, Amen, but then we forget all about it. And we forget to actually go back to the Lord and thank him for what he has done. And helping us out of that that circumstance. We can be Christians who are found much in the place of prayer. And we can be asking the Lord constantly for things and and seeking his face and and petitioning the Lord for our needs and so we should be that's exactly how the Lord would have us live our lives for him we're to go to him and and seek him for what we require and he would have us to be a prayerful people a people that depend upon him constantly that that constantly make our requests and petitions known unto him He, he wants us to seek him But as we ask him day and daily for things, sometimes we forget to give thanks. And I I stand up here before you with my hands up before I accuse anybody else. I can be so guilty of that. So many needs that are pressing upon us in our lives. So much we need the help of God for. And we rush in with this great list. And we forget just to pause and to give thanks. For the different ways, even throughout that day, the Lord has helped us and we've recognised it, but we haven't thanked the Lord for it. I think personally, for me, that is one of the benefits of the public place of prayer. It teaches us to pray. And it teaches us to pray in a structured way. How beneficial it is for young Christians to go to a prayer meeting and listen to mature Christians and how they get before the throne of grace and call upon the Lord. That is so beneficial. Another beneficial factor in the public place of prayer 
is it makes us very conscious of what we're praying. Now that can be a negative thing, but also in a positive thing. Whenever we're at home, whenever we're in the closet, we get before the Lord, we can be guilty maybe of rushing in and saying, Lord, I need this. Lord, help me with that. Oh God, encourage me with this. All things that we should pray for. But if we were to do that in front of people, we would worry that we're coming across demanding or maybe just with a shopping list or maybe even a little ungrateful because we don't pause and thank the Lord. And that's a benefit of, of public prayer. It teaches us how to pray. Uh, maybe we wouldn't pray in public in the way that we would pray in the closet. We'd be much more thankful in the public arena. And I think that's, that's a benefit. It teaches us to be thankful when we pray publicly and pray alongside other believers. Verse I often turn to uh, e even visiting individuals is Philippians 4 and the verse 6. There's a few folk from Resharkin here this evening and, and I regularly quote this verse. And I regularly quote the verse because it's so applicable to us. No matter what, what position, what place we are in life, that this verse is so helpful and applies to us. Philippians chapter 4 and the verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And what's that verse telling us to do? Be careful for nothing. Don't be over anxious, young people. Don't be consumed by your worries and fear. No, take your worries to the Lord in prayer. Tell the Lord what you need. Be careful for nothing. Take your prayers, your supplications, make your requests known unto the Lord. That's what the verse says. But don't forget about that center part, with thanksgiving. When you make your requests, when you cry to the Lord for the help that he will give you, thank the Lord for his, his faithfulness to you as well. Thank the Lord for what he has done for you. And as I say, this verse is so applicable to all of us because we're so conscious of our need that, that so often we can forget just to thank the Lord for specific ways in which he has helped us day and daily. It's a good practice when you come before the Lord day and daily, just to pause. Three things I want to thank the Lord for specifically in the closet before I come to prayer. It's good practice. We all fail, but we'll never start getting it right unless we start that habit. And so we see that, that one of the reasons why the peace offering is made here in Leviticus in the chapter 7 is thanksgiving. Something specific the Lord has done and the individual wants to thank the Lord for it. And so he brings a peace offering. But there's another reason. If you look at verse 16 of Leviticus 7. Leviticus 7 and the verse 16. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow... And so an individual could have consecrated himself to the Lord, some act of service for the Lord. He's made a vow to the Lord that he's going to do something for the Lord and in the Lord's name. And the peace offering is a token of that. The peace offering is something tangible that could be seen, that this pledge has been made to the Lord, that a vow is going to be carried out. And so that's another reason why the peace offering could be made. It could be a vow that someone has made and they want something tangible to show that they have made this vow, this pledge unto the Lord. But look at verse 16 again. It says, But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, and that's the third reason why a peace offering could be made. A voluntary offering. What does that mean? It means there's no reason in particular. 
there's no specific reason why the individual wants to bring the offering. Nothing in particular that, that, that the individual is thanking the Lord for. He's just thankful to the Lord. He's just grateful to the Lord for everything. He just desires to offer a sacrifice of peace unto the Lord. There, there's devotion here. There's thanksgiving for all of the Lord's goodness. And he just wants to publicly acknowledge all of God's goodness. And he goes and he makes a peace offering. And even in that, Christian young people, there's a challenge for us. Because that's an attitude we all need to develop and we all need to work on as Christians. At any given moment of the day, are we enabled just to, to stand back and give thanks to the Lord? To see all that he has done for us. At any given moment, can we give a list of all of the Lord's blessings, the many things he does for us every day. There's one lady that I know, and she, she can never count her blessings. It's a, it's a sad place to be in. And any time you see her, she's burdened, and she has a list of woes, and she cannot never get away from those woes, and you seek to sort of remind her of all of her blessings, and all the wonderful gifts the Lord has given her, and she says... Ah, yes, and then back on to the list of woes. And we don't want to be in that place as Christians. We want to be a people that are rejoicing in the Lord and giving thanks for all that he has done for us. As one man often says in Risharkin, we ought to be the happiest people on the face of this earth. Why? Because we're Christians. That doesn't mean that we're always going to be happy and everything's going to be rosy. Definitely not. The Bible never says that. But we're redeemed. We should have the joy of the Lord. We all have different characters, I should say that. And I've got one of those faces that maybe doesn't look that joyful all the time. But I need to put that on record. We are all different. But the joy of the Lord can be in our hearts. We can be rejoicing every day and all the time in what the Lord has done for us. The psalmist in Psalm 116 says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And what a lovely attitude that is to have right throughout our lives every day. The Lord has done so much for us. And so we think about this peace offering. And we see the basis of the peace offering. The burnt offerings made first. The blood is shed. Atonement is made. Acceptance with God. And only then can the peace offering be made. Atonement and acceptance with God before peace with God. The circumstances in which the peace offering can be made. Thanksgiving for, for some specific goodness that the Lord has, has given us. Maybe the performance of a vow or maybe just a voluntary offering just to worship the Lord and thank him generally for all of his goodness to us. The last heading I give to you this evening is the directions in the peace offering. Uh, just like the previous two offerings we see there are details here and there are quite intricate details about how the offering is to be carried out and that's the pattern right throughout the offerings here in Leviticus. Um, but what we actually see here is something sort of unique in the peace offering. You remember in the burnt offering, everything was placed on the altar. The only thing that was held back was the hide, and that was given to the priests. But things are slightly different this time in the peace offering. You look at chapter 3, and let's read from verse 3 together. He shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. 
the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar, upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And so in the peace offering, we actually see that this offering was divided into three. One part was offered unto the Lord and consumed on the altar. Another part was given to the priests for them to consume. And the third part was returned to the individual that brought the offering. And they and their companions would feast upon that third part. And so the offering, the peace offering is divided into three. And as I say, the first part goes to the Lord. It's, it's consumed upon the altar. What's consumed upon the altar? Well, we read there the detail, the internal parts of the animal, the inward parts of the animal, the vital organs, that the fat around the vital organs, which are considered to be the richest part of the animal, the anatomy that is nearest to the heart of the animal. That's what's offered unto the Lord. And of course, there's a lesson for that. Our innermost affections, that's what God requires of us. Our innermost affections. That is what God requires of us as Christians. This is an offering of thanksgiving. This is an offering of praise. And it should come from deep within our hearts. And there's a challenge. Does the Lord have our innermost affections? As as believers, does he have our innermost affections? Or do we set our innermost affections on other things? As Christians, God should be first. It should be God that our soul longs after. So part of this peace offering, it's offered unto the Lord. Part's given to the priests. That's not uncommon in these offerings. As I say, the burnt offering, the hide went to the priests. In the meat offering last evening, although we didn't comment on it, but but some of that offering would go to the priests to help them to, to, to live. I suppose it's no different from, from ministers today. We need to live too. Evangelists need to live. And so this, this was a way whereby provision was made for these men, the priests. We see that in chapter 7 and the verse 14. And of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priests that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And so that was reserved for the priests so, so that they could eat. Provision was made for them. And of course, whenever we see the priests in the Old Testament scripture, our hearts ought to consider the Savior. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the great high priest. He is that mediator between God and men. He's the great high priest. He not only brings the offering, he is the offering. He not only makes the offering, he is the offering. Because he offers up himself that once for all sacrifice for sin. It's his blood, as we said. That takes away our sin. And so we, we, we look at this offering as divided in three. Part goes on the altar, given to the Lord, consumed. Part consumed by the priests. The remainder is given back to the one who offers it. And he consumes it along with his brethren. And they eat it there. But what we have then is a picture of God feasting with his people. 
And we see this offering, this peace offering, is divided in three and consumed by three different parties. God consumes part of it on the altar. The priest, he consumes part of it. And the people who offered it, they consume the final part. Feasting together, consuming food together, that's a a picture of, of friendship and fellowship. Now, Christian, do you see the relationship that you have with Almighty God there? Almighty God, he consumes part of the offering. The priest consumes another part. And the individual that offers the offering, like you and me, they consume the third part. It's a meal. It's three parties eating together. Consuming the food together. Eating together, consuming food, that speaks of friendship and fellowship. And we're reminded that as Christians, we're able to have that friendship and fellowship with Almighty God because of our High Priest. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what he has done for us. And so when we look at these three parties, Almighty God, the humble individual like you and I, sinners, and the priest... And they're all consumed together. We're reminded that we can have that friendship and fellowship with Almighty God because of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. What fellowship and friendship we see even in this peace offering as this this offering is consumed by three different parties. You look in chapter 3 at the verse 11. And it says there, And the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto Lord. Now you'll remember in the previous offerings that, that often that little phrase, a sweet savour unto the Lord, is used to describe the offering. Well, it's used here in chapter 3 as well, but, but uniquely this description of food of the offering appears in the peace offering. And again, that, that depicts what we've already seen. This idea of feasting, the individual feasting with Almighty God, uh, friendship, fellowship. This is what we have. This is our relationship with God as Christians because of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Malachi 1 and the the verse 7, there's a reference to the altar being called the table of the Lord. And again, there it is again. This idea of, of eating around the table. The likes of you and me eating around the table with Almighty God. Why? Because of our high priest. The friendship, the fellowship that we have as Christians. With Almighty God. What a wonderful picture it is. Consuming food. Eating together. As we think about our relationship with the Lord. As we draw to a close here this evening. And we think about this. This picture of consuming food with the Lord. And the friendship, the fellowship we have. Of course food always. Food always carries connotations of being satisfied. And as we think about Christ. And as we think about the peace offering. We have to say that God the Father is well satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. He is well satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. Christ sacrificed himself once for all so that we can be saved. And God the Father was well satisfied with that sacrifice. God the Father said of his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we're reminded again that the ground of our fellowship, the ground of our friendship, the ground of our reconciliation with God is the sacrifice 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot get away from that truth because it is central to the gospel. It is Christ that secured atonement and acceptance with God. And only through him can we have peace with God. And so I ask you again as we draw to a finish. Have you peace with God? Real peace. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way you can have peace with God. How can you have peace with God? Repent of your sins. Place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow before him. Seek his forgiveness. Seek his salvation. Lord Jesus Christ says come on to me. And I will give you rest. Young person you come to the Lord. You come tonight. He promises he will receive you. If you come earnestly. And sincerely. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening. Hand back over to